letter twenty eight from the history of lady barton this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c the history of lady barton by elizabeth griffiths letter twenty eight from lady barton to miss cleveland the moment i had read mrs walter's letter i sent benson to wait her coming at the appointed place as some of the family were not yet gone to bed i had near half an hour's leisure to reflect on the uncommon villainy of colonel walter if this lady was his wife which i could have no doubt of from her taking his name how did he dare to propose marriage to mrs leighton but this circumstance appeared trifling when compared to the inhumanity of his behaviour to the unfortunate olivia and her lovely child at length benson tapped softly at my door and i rose to receive a being that seemed no longer an inhabitant of this world from the child's account of her mother's illness i was prepared to see a person pale and emaciated but anything so near our idea of a beautiful spectre never yet i believe struck mortal sight i must describe her to you her stature is somewhat above the middle size but the extreme thinness of her figure made her appear still taller her eyes are large and of the darkest blue her nose aquiline with the most beautiful mouth and teeth i ever saw her skin fairer than alabaster and so clear that one might fancy they saw the circulation of the blood which supplied a faint blushing in her cheeks resembling the inner tints of a white rose her hair of a light shining brown flowed in loose tresses upon her shoulders her gown was a white silk polonaise she had on a gauze hood tied loosely under her chin and a slight covering of the same sort upon her neck she appeared all form without substance spirit without matter and had she prophesied my faith would have listened as to an angel as she entered my room she made an effort which i was not lucky enough to prevent to throw herself at my foot when i attempted to raise her from the ground i had not strength sufficient for she had fainted there with benson's assistance and mine she recovered in about ten minutes then gushed into such a flood of tears as took away all power of speech and almost suffocated her she often tried to speak and implore my pardon for the distress and trouble she had occasioned me and you may suppose that i said everything in my power to calm her mind 
as soon as she became a little collected she said it was joy not sorrow that had overpowered her weak frame the latter she had been too familiar with but the former was indeed such a long absent guest that it must be welcomed with some degree of transport if the delicacy of her sentiments had needed any addition they would have received the highest from the sweetness of her voice and the uncommon beauty of her mouth while she uttered them in order to restrain her acknowledgments for my interesting myself about her and her child i pressed her to relate her story and to account for the extraordinary appearances arising from her situation she bowed and proceeded with so much grace and elegance of expression that i could have hung with mute attention on her speech for a whole winter's night or a long summer's day and never wished her tale to have an end the story of mrs walter i had the misfortune to lose my father who had the honor of being a general officer in the king of sardinia's service when i was but eleven years old his name was de almberg as he had many great and lucrative employments and my mother and he were both young they indulged themselves in a thoughtless extravagance together at turin during his life but at his decease my mother no longer able to support the rank she had held at that court returned to Rincon to live upon the small patrimony which remained for her and me young as i was the loss of a fond father made a very deep impression on my mind and the perpetual affliction to which i saw my mother had devoted himself and which terminated her life in two years brought me full early acquaintant with sorrow after this irreparable loss i remained at Briacon under the care of an old maiden aunt of my father's who had lived too much sequestered from the world and who ignorant of the nature of youth or how to guide it supplied the place of instruction with austerity never suffered me to be a moment out of her sight and was for ever extolling her own goodness and charity in being troubled with the care of my education and maintenance in short her manners were perfectly disagreeable and so extremely different from that delicacy and tenderness to which i had been too much accustomed that though i strove to respect her as my aunt i found it impossible either to love or esteem her the affections of a young and amiable minds cannot centre in themselves and if they are not properly attached by the ties of affinity or kindness they will most probably bestow themselves 
on improper objects this was unluckily my case the only person i was suffered to converse with except my aunt and that only at home was a girl about three years elder than myself whose mother had been formerly a servant to mine but at that time kept an inn at Briancon. this girl then as was natural i became extremely fond of and as my aunt grew every day more infirm and was often confined to her bed i found frequent opportunities of visiting my dear nanette unknown to my severe guardian at her mother's house in one of these till then innocent excursions my ill fate contrived that colonel walter should arrive at Briancon and stop at the house where i was it was summer the evening fine and as he had no company he sauntered into the garden where nanette and i were sitting at work in an arbor he accosted us with great politeness and i could perceive that my companion was highly pleased with his address but the timidity natural to a person who had been brought up in so retired a manner as i had been made me wish to withdraw and notwithstanding his and nanette's solicitations to the contrary i quickly returned home possessed with the first idea i had ever felt of having done wrong i saw by the colonel's appearance that he was an officer the recollection of my father struck forcibly into my mind and i blushed with indignation to think that general d'almberg's daughter had been seen in so improper a situation my pride was however consoled by thinking that i should never see him again and i determined to be more guarded in my future visits to my friend the next morning very early nanette was at my bedside and expressed some degree of resentment at my having quitted her so abruptly the preceding night my delicacy would not suffer me to hurt her pride by telling her my real motive for retiring i therefore said it was owing to my apprehensions of being missed by my aunt but that i got off undiscovered and should not be so cowardly another time she seemed satisfied with this declaration and pressed me to come to her that evening she had an entire ascendant over me and notwithstanding the resolution i had made a few hours before i readily promised to attend her i had no doubt but that the colonel would by that time have quitted Briancon, and i would not venture to ask a question relative to him lest it might lead her to suspect my thoughts she however talked of him incessantly said he was the handsomest 
and most agreeable gentleman she had ever seen told me he had invited her mother and her to supper and behaved to them as if they were princesses and added she was glad he did not live in that country as she feared another interview might engage too much of her affections she rattled away in this manner till i was summoned to attend my aunt and then made me repeat my promise of going to her the moment the old lady should retire to rest my aunt was if possible more peevish than usual that whole day or at least her ill-temper had a more than common effect upon my spirits i longed for the evening to be released from her tyranny and to be indulged with the liberty of pouring forth my little sorrows in the bosom of my faithful nanette the moment that my aunt had dismissed me from her chamber i flew to my appointment without waiting to alter my dress which was a perfect déshabille, and found nanette in the arbor adorned with every little adornment that she was possessed of my thoughts were too much affected with the disagreeableness of my own situation to make reflections on the gaiety of her appearance i seated myself by her leaned my head upon her bosom and with a profusion of tears told her i was no longer able to bear the misery i suffered from my aunt's severity she smiled and as i thought with an air of triumph told me that i might put an end to my misfortunes as soon as i pleased for that the colonel had assured her he had visited all the courts in europe and had never seen anything half so beautiful as either she or i that for her part she was resolved to try her fortune in the world forthwith and not stay moping at Briancon till she grew old and ugly and that if i would accompany her she did not at all doubt of our success that i might hope to marry some reigning prince and then she might at least expect to be mistress of a dukedom i was both shocked and surprised at hearing my friend talk in this extravagant and unusual style but before i could express my sentiments colonel walter came into the arbor dressed as if he had been going to court on a gala day i confess i was struck nay dazzled with his appearance from the time of my leaving turin i had never seen any man finely or elegantly dressed before i now quickly perceived the advantages that nanette received from being decked out and blushed at the inferiority of my own appearance every human creature has i believe some sparks of vanity in their nature 
and this was the fatal moment when mine were first kindled a desire of outshining nanette who had a good deal disgusted me took immediate possession of my thoughts and my countenance was upon the instant lighted up with smiles i have not a doubt but colonel walter saw through the thin veil that covered the sentiments of a creature so young and artless as i was then he at least indulged my weakness even beyond my wishes by entirely devoting his whole attention to me and totally neglecting my companion olivia here broke off her narrative to apologize for entering into such minute circumstances which she said was meant to convince me of her sincerity as she was very certain that her weakness and innocence were the groundworks of her ruin but alas exclaimed she is there not indulgence and compassion due to uneducated uninformed fifteen i told her that entering into these little traits of character those fine those delicate touches marked the master's hand and were a convincing proof of the goodness both of her head and heart she complimented me on my candor and returned to her story there had been the most elegant repast provided that brian con could afford nanette and her mother the colonel and i were all the party but i was the idol to whom all the incense was offered the good women of the house took the ton from her guest extolled my beauty and my accomplishments as extravagantly though not so agreeably as he nanette alone was silent in short i became intoxicated with flattery and when the time of our parting drew near i secretly lamented at the same idea which had given me so much satisfaction the preceding night that i should see colonel walter no more the colonel insisted on attending me home and had ordered his chaise to convey me to my aunt's but though my vanity was flattered with the mark of attention i dared not indulge it with such an eclat however i said i would permit him to walk home with me provided nanette would accompany us she sullenly refused i had then no choice and the colonel and i set out together when we were about to separate i wished him a good night and a pleasant journey he threw himself at my feet caught hold of my hand swore i was the sovereign arbitress of his fate and that he would never leave Briancon till he had obtained my hand and heart but that if i cruelly refused to accept his love he would put himself to death that instant before me child as i was his transports terrified me 
i was also alarmed lest any of my aunt's servants should see him so i promised if he would then retire to meet him the next evening at the inn he made a merit of assenting to so long an absence and after a thousand protestations of the most ardent passion and as many more tender adieus he left me plunged in such a fatal yet pleasing delirium as youth and experience only can feel what an infidel should i have thought the person who had at the moment warned me to discredit the sincerity of his profession the night passed away without sleep yet i thought it short and arose next morning even with unusual vivacity my aunt's ill-temper was no longer disagreeable to me my spirits were perfectly harmonized all was peace within and cheerfulness without toward evening i began to think that time lagged heavily in its course and wished for the setting of the sun as much as a benighted traveller for its rising at length the welcome night arrived and set me free from my restraint i ran to my toilet to endeavour to adorn the few graces that nature had lent me in vain confusion interrupted my efforts and haste prevented my dispatch so that in a kind of despair i threw aside my few ornaments snatched up a little straw hat and set out on my adventures in the same careless deshabille i had appeared the night before the moment i had got out of the view of my aunt's house i was met by the colonel who received me with an ecstasy that i believe was then sincere we pursued our way to the arbor where he had first seen me on my not finding nanette there i endeavoured to quit him and go in pursuit of her but he held my hand and entreated me to stay till he had revealed a secret to me which was of the utmost consequence to us both he then assured me that the net was not my friend and requested that i would not entrust her with the discovery he had made of his passion for me for that he feared she would betray the secret to my aunt and by that means deprive him of more than life the happiness of seeing me but that if i would be a little upon my guard she might suppose his attachment to be nothing more than common gallantry which might possibly quiet the jealousy she seemed already to have conceived about it i was shocked at the idea of deceiving or suspecting my friend yet the gloom and dissatisfaction that appeared in her behaviour the night before 
made me too readily fall into the stair nay i joined in the deep seat against myself by entreating that he would be more attentive to her and less particular to me on the present interview my motive for this request i solemnly declare was rather to prevent her being mortified as i saw she had been before than to remove any suspicion she might have entertained of me for i had perfectly acquiesced in the colonel's honour and integrity as well as my own innocence i had not the least apprehension of any ill consequence in such a compliance thus did this artful man disjoin me from the only person who was likely to see through his designs and could have an interest in preventing my ruin after this discourse and abundance of protestations of the tenderest affection we joined nanette and the colonel left us for some time together to try as i presume the strength of his power over me nanette was all gaiety and shrewd me abundance of presents that she had received from the colonel my heart reproached me for concealing the sentiments from her but my promise to my lover had tied my tongue and the weakness and vanity of her conduct left me less reason to regret the mortification she must feel when she should know that he was seriously attached to me the evening passed away less pleasantly than the former nanette assumed a superiority over me in sense and judgment but attempted to soften her self-sufficiency by hinting at the difference of our years and experience and through this salvo did not render her behaviour less disgusting it deprived me of the power of resenting it and i retired home convinced that there were two passions awakened in my mind that i had never felt before love and hatred nanette and the colonel accompanied me home at parting he put a little billet into my hand which i could not refuse to accept without letting her know that it had been offered i was even then become the slave the abject slave of love and feared to offend my future tyrant the billet contained nothing more than a repetition of passionate and tender expressions with the warmest acknowledgments for the attention i had shrewn to his request by the prudence and propriety of my conduct and the most earnest entreaties to favour him with my company the next evening i retired to bed and i hoped to rest but sleep was vanished and with it the charming delirium 
that had kept me waking the foregoing night short was the road that i had travelled in the flowery path of pleasure yet i already found it strewed with thorns i trembled at the danger of treading it alone and lamented more piously then than ever the loss of my dear mother to whom i might have confided both by hopes and fears upon this hazardous adventure the usual hour of my rising arrived and found my eyes unclosed and my thoughts unsettled i had neither slept nor determined on any scheme for my future conduct and when my maid came into my chamber i slept i stepped out of bed burst into a passion of tears and said softly to myself i will not see the colonel at least this day i considered this determination as an amazing effort of resolution and fancied i had gained a complete victory over my infant passion the anxiety of my mind with loss of rest had brought on a slight degree of fever and the moment i quitted my aunt's chamber i retired to my own threw myself on the bed and desired my maid to leave me the poor girl who loved me tenderly was alarmed at my situation and ran directly to nanette to tell her i was ill and to beg she would come to me she told her she was at that time so particularly engaged that it was impossible for her to stir abroad but that she would certainly see me some time in the evening i know nothing of this transaction and after having passed some hours in a disagreeable state of restlessness the agitation of my mind subsided and i fell asleep some time after i was awakened by a light at my bedside and on opening my eyes i perceived nanette and colonel walter disguised in women's clothes standing by me the confusion which i felt both from my situation and his is not to be expressed he gazed upon me with such a look of ardent tenderness as covered me with blushes i turned my eyes away begged they would withdraw into another room and promised them that as soon as i had rendered my appearance decent i would wait on them nanette burst into a loud laugh at what she called my affected delicacy said she supposed everybody was sometimes undressed and she did not see any occasion for making a difficulty about such trifles the boldness of her manner while she spoke increased my distress and completed the dislike i had begun to have conceived for her 
the colonel appeared indefinitely more modest in his deportment and on his making a sigh to her to leave the chamber they both withdrew the hurry of spirits which this unexpected visit had occasioned was increased by my apprehensions that some of the servants might detect the colonel under his disguise and though i knew they all loved and pitied me yet i had been taught in my infancy to dread the putting myself in the power of a servant and never to let them know a circumstance which i wished should be kept secret the moment i entered the room where my guests were i entreated them to leave me and mentioned my reasons for wishing them gone nanette again made a jest of my scruples but the colonel treated them more seriously and asked my pardon for having brought me into any difficulty or distress by his indiscretion but pleaded both his and nanette's anxiety for my health and insisted on my returning with them to the inn since he was certain from my appearance that i had not any complaint to prevent me but not to detain you madame longer with such tedious circumstances i half reluctantly complied with his entreaties and for about three weeks longer we spent every evening together almost in the same manner as the first i had by this time lost all affection and esteem for nanette and had now no confidant or friend on earth to whom i could disclose the secrets of my heart but the single person in the world from whom i should most carefully have concealed them when he had become quite certain of his empire over my affections he proposed my quitting Briancon with him he said my aunt was too old and perverse to be consulted on such an occasion that he never wanted or desired any treasure but myself for that all other considerations were below his attention he added that his passion for me had detained him so long at Brecon that he was in danger of forfeiting his commission and his honor that if i loved him i ought not to hesitate about putting myself under his protection that our interests were now becoming one and that he would defend me from every misfortune in the last moment of his life i believed obeyed and repented here she paused for this little reflection was followed by such a passion of tears that i was obliged to restrain my curiosity as you must yours for some time i administered drops and water to my fair biographer 
and to you i recommend patience till the next post for my fingers are so tired that it is impossible for me to proceed as it is to think or write upon any other subject till i have finished this therefore not one word shall i say of myself but that i am well that i long to hear from you and that i am most affectionately yours l barton end of letter twenty eight recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c